Well, good morning to you, Trinity Church, this morning, and to anyone visiting. We are glad that you are here today, and we're looking forward to spending time in His Word, in our Lord's Word this morning. We are in Ephesians chapter 1. If you would join me in standing, please join me in standing as we read from God's Word. Now, Ephesians 1, verse 3 through 14. I've been very encouraged, by the way, hearing everyone talking about memorizing this passage. We were up on the roof this last week. I was up on the roof with John and uh, Jerry, John Leo and Jerry Perrine, putting a new roof on the house, and uh, I was quizzing them, and they did okay. So just encouraged to hear all of the people memorizing this passage. We're trying to memorize it this summer together. And uh, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3 through 14, what a wonderful sentence, a run-on sentence that is so full, just power-packed. Uh, with so much truth, so much goodness, and it will be a help to you if you will memorize this, and it will be also an equipping for you as you speak the word and the truth to others. That's, that's what you're supposed to be doing, is speaking the truth to others. So what resource are you going to pull from to speak the truth? Well, you've got to put God's word in your heart and your mind if you're going to do that. And so that's what we're doing this summer, Ephesians 1, 3 through 14, a wonderful passage to speak to yourself and to others. Let me read it, follow along there as I read. Ephesians 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him in love. He predestined us for adoption to Himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ." as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in Him, things in heaven, and things on earth. In Him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of Him who works all things according to the counsel of His will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of His glory. In Him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in Him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. I would like to read again for you verse 7. Verse 7 is where we are at in this passage today. Verse 7. And as I've said, it's one run-on sentence. One long run-on sentence. There is a little bit of a structure to this sentence, and we just completed the first, the first little mini-section, verse 3 through 6, we finished last week, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. And now the beloved becomes the focus, the center of the next uh, two sections, marked by the phrase, the prepositional phrase, in him. So verse 7, in him, that is in who? In the beloved, in the beloved, 
Jesus, the Son, the beloved Son of God. Verse 7, where our focus is going to be this morning, in Him, in the beloved, we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of His grace. We're going to spend the next few minutes this morning And I'm going to try my best to make them a few. It is a little warm in here, and I can feel that. I've got you. I'm trying trying to get done. But we don't want want to be done too fast, because this verse is so important for us. We want to talk about the redemption that he has accomplished for us in him, in the beloved. So number one, we see... The main idea of this verse, the main idea of this passage before us this morning is found in the simple phrase, we have redemption. The message this morning is very simple. We have redemption. Who who is the we being referred to there? We have redemption. Let's not think that this is talking to everyone or to all the world. No, there's a specific group of people that Paul is speaking to. He says, we have redemption. Who's the we? We who are in him. This is what we've been talking about. We who have been joined with Christ. We who have union with Christ by faith. We who have been made one with Christ. That's what we've been looking at. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ. Who is the us? Well, it is this people that he has chose for himself before the foundation of the world. This same people that he has predestined for adoption to himself as sons. These who are recipients of God's favor and blessing. Now I said last week, it was a, it was a statement that I, I've actually talked to a couple of you about and we've had some conversation this week about and I, I think it's very possible you've had some conversation about this week. Uh, last, last week I said, does he love, does God love everyone the same? Well, the answer to that question is, and it's hard for us to grasp this, but the answer is no. God does not love everyone the same. Does he love everyone? Yes. But does he love everyone the same? No, because to say that would make no sense of salvation. I use this example in conversations this week. I love all kids. I love all children. Wouldn't wouldn't you say the same? I love children. I was sitting with the teenagers at my house this last Thursday night, and I said to all of them, I love all of you. It would be right for me to say I love all of you. But there are four of you here that I love differently than I love all the rest of you because they are my children. I love all children. I love all kids. But I, I have eight children, and I love them particularly because they're my children. It doesn't mean I don't care and love others, but I love these especially because they're mine. 
And this is what God has done. He has, by His grace, predestined us for adoption to Himself as sons and daughters. He has placed His choosing love upon those who He has decided to make His own. He loves us particularly. Now, this is important because the truths that we are going to look at this morning, these truths are not, are not yours by right. Not by nature. He has, he has called you to Himself and given you the right by His grace The truths that we're going to look at this morning are not for everyone here. No. No. Because not everyone here this morning, not everyone here this morning has believed upon the name of Jesus Christ. John 1.12 tells us that, remember, those who received Jesus, even to those that believed on His name, He gave the right to be called children of God. Not by the will of the flesh, nor by the will of man, but by God. He has done the work. He has done the calling. He has done the drawing. And we, who have been recipients of His divine favor and blessing, we have redemption. So if you are here and and you have not received Jesus as your only way of salvation. The message to you this morning, you're going to hear, you're going to hear the message of redemption this morning, but, but you don't stand in good relationship with that message as do those who he's called. The invitation to you, the message to you is to come. Receive Jesus by faith. Receive Christ the Son by faith. Turn from your sin And trust in Jesus, even this morning, to make these truths your own. In Him that is in the Beloved, we, those who have been recipients of His divine favor, those who He's chosen before the foundation of the world, those who He has predestined for adoption to Himself as sons, we have redemption. I want you to sit and think about that just for a moment. What does it mean that we have redemption? The word redemption simply means a release by payment or a freedom granted, freedom gained by ransom. A release or a freedom gained by payment what redemption means we have redemption but what have we been released from what have we been freed from it tells us right in the verse in him we have redemption through his blood namely the forgiveness of our trespasses we have redemption what is that it is freedom release forgiveness from our trespasses. That's what we have. What are trespasses? Well, God has, 
given his commands. God has made his rules, his designs. God has designed the world to work in a particular way. God has given his commands and his rules, and we have broken them. We have trespassed against God. We have not kept his commands. We have not followed his rules. We have not lived according to his designs. We have not lived under the sovereign rule of God in contentment. No, we have broken his laws. We have trespassed against a holy God. And truly, if we step back and think about it, who can count the number of ways that we have trespassed against him? Who can count the number of ways that we have sinned against God? If you sit and reflect upon that, can we, can we truly count how many ways we have trespassed? And because we have trespassed, we have incurred great guilt. We have heaped a mountain, an insurmountable mountain of guilt upon ourselves. We are guilty before God. And there is nothing we can do to pay off that debt. It's an insurmountable debt. I I think we do a great disservice. And and truthfully, this is very common today in churches and a lot of places where we want to minimize the guilt. We want to minimize the, the, the message of sinfulness and only focus on grace But there is a reality that until we understand the weight of our guilt, we cannot understand grace. We must first understand the weight of guilt that we are under. The guilt is real. We are guilty before God and nothing we do can remove that guilt. Nothing. No amount of tears that you cry can actually free you from the guilt that you are under. No amount of tears or I'm sorry's or or, I'll never do it again. No amount of penance trying to make good. No amount of jail time can actually pay your due of guilt before God. If you were sitting here this morning and you had murdered someone, which, right, Jesus says if we've been angry, if we've hated our brother, we've murdered him in our heart. But say you were here this morning and you've committed murder, physical murder, and you were sentenced, you were judged, you were found guilty, and you were sentenced to 30 years in prison. And after 30 years of prison, you've been gained, or you've gained, you've been granted release from prison. And you come here this morning, you sit here, and and, and you, you have served your time. You've paid your debt. You've fulfilled the sentence. You would still be guilty before God. No amount of jail time can rid you of that guilt before God you would still be guilty. What heaviness. I was made aware of a story even this last week of one of the 
Nazis who were judged at Nuremberg, the Nuremberg trials, there was one accomplice to Hitler who actually admitted guilt. It's my understanding that no one else actually admitted that what they were doing was wrong, but there was one who admitted guilt. And he was sentenced to 20 years in prison. And after 20 years of serving his time, he was released. And and, and an interviewer sat down with him and said, How do you feel now that you've paid your dues? And the man said, I am still guilty. I will never be able to release myself from the guilt that I feel for what we did. He was still guilty. He says, nothing I can do, not, not, not if I lived another thousand years, would I be able to get rid of this guilt? Where, where does that feeling of guilt, that weight of guilt come from? It comes from the fact that we know there is a holy God who has made us and created us and we have trespassed against Him. We are guilty. Truly guilty. Ephesians 2 says, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. Ephesians 5. And I'm going to ask you to do this. Will you turn over to Ephesians 5? Ephesians 5. Look at the weight of this guilt and what it brings. Look at Ephesians 5, verse 5. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure, or who is covetous, that is, an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. We are, by nature, dead in our trespasses and sins. Because of our trespasses, we are rightfully under the wrath of God. We are, Ephesians 2 says, children of wrath. We are sons of disobedience. That's who we are. And it is real. And yet, what's the message of this verse? We have redemption. We have redemption. What is redemption? The forgiveness of our trespasses. The release, the freedom from the guilt of our trespasses. Forgiveness. A release from debt. We owe a great debt, a great guilt. We are under great guilt to God and He has forgiven us. We have it. We have forgiveness. What wonder in that word forgiveness. Let's don't make, let's don't make light of that word forgiveness. Do you understand the exchange that must take place when we are truly forgiven? We've been forgiven of our trespasses. We are no longer dead in our trespasses. We are no longer children of wrath. We are no longer sons of disobedience. No, we have been predestined for adoption to Himself as sons. And we have been forgiven our trespasses, we have redemption. Let me 
ask you as a matter of application or implication this morning, how do you relate to your guilt? How do you relate? How do you, how do you handle? How do you deal with your guilt? It is true that we often deal with our guilt. And very often we do not deal with our guilt in a way that is helpful or healthy for us. How do you deal with your guilt? If you have received Christ as your only way of salvation, if you have believed upon his name, he has given you the right to be called a child of God. He has adopted you. He's brought you into his family and he has paid. He has paid for your release. You have no more guilt. So Christian, how do you deal with that guilt? When Satan tempts me to despair, we just sang it. Were you paying attention when we just sang it? When Satan, it's my favorite verse in that song. When I have a funeral one day, my wife's going to play that at my funeral. She's promised me. When Satan tempts me to despair and tells me of the guilt within. Because I can't disagree with him. I'm guilty, right? I've trespassed. Oh, but I look, I look to this verse. We have redemption. What is redemption? The forgiveness of our trespasses. The release from guilt. When Satan tempts me to despair and tells me of the guilt within, upward I look and I see him there who made an end to all my sin. Because the sinless Savior died, my sinful soul is counted free. For God the just is satisfied to look on him and pardon me. We have redemption. Now, that redemption leads to other glorious truths we do not have time to look at. I, I was tempted to spend time unpacking the future redemption we have. That redemption we have points towards a future redemption. We will, be, we will realize our adoption as sons and we will be redeemed from our bodies. Do you realize that? Our redemption will be one day fully realized and we will be released from the decay and the disease and the sinfulness of this flesh. We will be fully, our bodies will be redeemed. And it also gives us present power. We were, as we read 1 Peter chapter 1, we were redeemed, not with silver and gold, we were redeemed with the precious blood of Christ from what? Our futile ways we have been released from the guilt of our trespasses. One day we will be totally and completely released from the decay and the disease and the sinfulness of these bodies. And today we have been redeemed from our futile ways. We no longer have to live in futility. We no longer live enslaved to sin. We have been redeemed. That is the message of this verse. We have been redeemed. But there are two prepositional phrases that follow this message. We have been redeemed. The first one is 
quickly following there, in them we have redemption through his blood. You see, if you, if you understand how, these passages, how this passage is logically flowing, you'll memorize it a lot easier. In him we have redemption through his blood. The means of the payment. We have been redeemed, we have been released, we've been freed by payment. What is that payment? What, what is that payment? It tells us, through his blood. What has been paid for our redemption? It has been his blood. How were we released? Through his blood we've been released. Turn over, if you will. Again, I want you to turn. Don't just listen to me quote the verses. I could be completely misquoting. Okay, You want to turn over and see. I'm not the authority. The word is the authority. So don't depend on me. Don't look at me and say, well, he, he quoted all those verses. It was really good. No, turn. Look at the passage. This is good for us. Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. Look at verse 3. Start at verse 2. No, you know what? Start at verse 1. Context. Context is good. Verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation. Condemnation. 